have you ever realized that success in this field makes it you know infinitely more likely that like one of these guys will like come to our house and fight us like, yeah. <laughs> like you know like that that's what we're like angling toward you know oh yeah you, you become so good at this like you know they're you, like what if, what if these guys will come fight you and they'll film it you know yeah. <laughs> you ready let's do it Welcome to the Brain Buster Boys, episode two. I am Brett Jagger along with Beaumont Rand. Hey, everybody. Hello, Beaumont. Hi, Brett. Well, we did it. We've we did. made it to episode two. Which is a big leap. No we, meltdowns we, this week we've, yet. We've doubled our episode count. Thank you to all of the listeners of episode one. We greatly yes. appreciate you and all your wonderfully glowing positive feedback. Mm. Uh, we are humbled by your comments. Um, I want to personally thank Bo for all the great work he put in on editing the show, and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, and I want to thank Brett for making this entire thing occur. Yeah, well, you're and, uh, welcome. But yeah, uh, let's rock and roll, let's baby. Go. Uh, big news. We are now uh, both on Twitter and Spotify, dusting off the old social media glasses. Well, I don't know, whatever. Cool. Uh, but on Twitter at Brainbuster Boys and on Spotify, you can search Brainbuster Boys. I will admit uh, when I woke up this morning and saw it on Spotify and saw my dumb Photoshop logo on there, it was pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and it and it is forever, you know, like, forever like, ingrained. Like like, like like we we are we have branded ourselves the Brainbuster Boys. Um, for life. So. For life. Just like the NWO. Yeah, for life. For life, exactly. Um, so, yeah, check us out on social media. Engage with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, we uh, don't have a ton of followers yet, but that's going to keep growing, we hope. But, I mean, not to beat our own drum, but to totally beat our own drum. Let's we have, beat it. Yeah, let's beat it. But um, <laughs> we've been engaged with by some AEW wrestlers during Dynamite. At least yeah. at least the one who's number one in our hearts, yeah, and that's yeah. uh, Mr. John Silver of the Dark Order. He uh, liked one of my tweets that I tagged him Exciting. in both before and during Dynamite. Uh-huh. And, uh with our robust 22, 23 followers, uh, and for him to do that is pretty cool. Yeah. We're going to be posting about all this stuff, so pay attention, and we'll uh, we'll have multiple outlets for you to get your brain busted. Ouch. But uh, let's start with, uh, let's return to the Turner Tarp here, Bo. Uh, I mean, we got what two. we're under continuously. <laughs> we so live we- it's under a, it. It's a weather system at this point. You got that you know, right. Yeah. Whew. So uh, we got two little bits of news. Uh, number one, so if you caught us last week, uh, AEW Dynamite, which is going to be the central point of the show week in, week out, comes on TNT Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. So we have decided to give you a glimpse of some of the films that are on TNT, uh, both before and after Dynamite. Book because ending. book, Yeah, the bookends, which today or last night, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, November 19th. Last night we got a rarity mm. where it was the same film both before and after. And what was that film? Bill? That is The Equalizer. The Equalizer, so that means starring the equ- Denzel Washington. So that, so that means the equation uh, on both sides of Dynamite was balanced. And that was, that was fascinating to me. Unbelievable. 
Um, so we caught the last 15 minutes of it before Dynamite, and as we go through Dynamite, we're always wondering what's going to be on after, mm, what's going to be yeah. on after. And sometimes they'll promote it during the show, sometimes they won't. Uh, I think it was towards the end of Dynamite where JR was like, and coming up next on TNT yeah. is the Equalizer. So, so, so and we were shocked because we'd just seen it, and mm -hmm. we were intrigued by yeah. seeing the end. Yeah, the, the emphasis, like, like, yeah. like, like the, the um, importance Turner has put under this is significant to, is significant to her purpose. Denzel her is certainly uh -huh. a Turner tentpole. Oh, of course. But let's yeah. uh, quickly cut to our reaction when we learned that the Equalizer was also going to be on after Dynamite. Man, like, this is really We're definitely funny. talking about it this week. We have to. Yeah, oh yeah, we have to. That's a geek. I think that's happened before, like, before we started doing this, they've done that with the same movie before. Also, a point of news for the Turner Tarp. Mm, 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 Conan mm. O'Brien allegedly announced his retirement earlier this week from TBS, which is firmly under the Turner tent. Oh, yeah. And where's he headed, Bo? He is headed to get maxed at HBO Max. I mean, you gotta love getting maxed. Yeah, yeah he's getting mega maxed. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, uh, do you remember when Conan O'Brien had The Tonight Show for, like, just a few months? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, he was like, great. Well, and I grew up... Like, Conan O'Brien, it was a very, like, Attitude Era. Like, watching Figure, him... Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, like we were playing, you know, our fake wrestling league, the WWA, me and my cousins, which we'll talk about eventually at some point. <laughs> but um, we would go to my grandma's house on weekends and spend the night there, and we'd play WWA and watch Conan O'Brien because we could stay up until 11. Yeah. And, um, you know, that turned into watching The Tonight Show. So he was someone you kind of followed, and... Uh, you know, I don't watch Conan O'Brien really and at all. And I don't really either, yeah, but, but he's a, he's a yeah, staple of our is. childhood, yeah, and he's yeah. one of those figures. And I don't want to steal your he's joke like, here, yeah. Bo, but uh, what did you refer to him when this uh, move was announced? Turner Turncoat. He's a Turner Turncoat, ladies Straight and gentlemen. to HBO Max. Unbelievable. Which, like, okay, so HBO Max may be, like, the vassal house of Turner's, like, lord you know, uh, because like we see a lot of HBO Max commercials. Yeah, we talked about this last but, night. Like but, Turner has a, its hands in a, the oh, proverbial a lot of pots. Oh, but 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 this this is some seismic activity. Oh, it's shaking Unqu it up un unquestionably. I'd, I'd call it a six point nine on the Richter scale. Easily. <laughs> I mean, and wasn't Andy Richter is a dude as well? No way! Ah! <laughs> Um, Chescu Sabalba. Chescu Sabalba, which we'll be talking about mm -hmm. later. But before we get into Dynamite Beaumont, I want to take a leap back into some old school WWF wrestling. Sure. Uh, you know, the Brain Buster Boys, we don't currently watch or follow WWE programming. I'll peep in from time to time. I know what's going on, but... You know, I committed a lot of years of my life to that, and there's just better alternatives out there. So I don't really right. watch it anymore. But I still love the classics. Uh -huh. I love the old shit. That's what I grew up on. That's what brought me to the dance. That's why I'm here. Um, and this Sunday is WWE Survivor Series, which is one of their big four shows every uh -huh. year. But I went back and watched some of Survivor Series 1998 earlier this week, which is just peak Attitude Era. And just want to talk, you know, just real quickly about this because some of the feedback we received on the show was talking about some more classic wrestling, bringing up that nostalgia, because, you know, we both grew up, yeah. you know, we were in like fourth grade when this sure, was going yeah. on, and 
at least for me personally, this is like right in the heart of when I was watching wrestling. But um, just quickly, so the theme of this show, Survivor Series 98, was the Deadly Game Tournament. Okay. So the WWF title had become vacant. I believe it was some, there was some storyline with Undertaker Kane and Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. where there was a double pin and this and that. So the belt was up for grabs. Right, right. So the evil tyrant Vince McMahon, who of course. this is just peak Vince, like with his goo. Like, like, like if you found definition of heel in, in Merriam-Webster or Oxford, like you know, he's you right would see it. Vince yeah. McMahon strutting down with yeah. no chance. Yeah. That's what you got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Vince McMahon orchestrates this tournament, and we're not going to get too deep into it, but he'd been kind of grooming mankind as the corporate champion, really? almost brainwashing yeah. him to a degree. This was after the famous Hell in a yeah, Cell okay. match with The Undertaker. Where he was thrown off the top of Correct. it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. This was probably, that was June of 98, so this mm. was November. Um, so, but Vince McMahon wanted a corporate champion, and he knew he could dupe mankind. Okay. He knew he could control mankind. So a lot of the night was all about Vince and his team of cronies yeah. trying to get mankind to win the title. So, so what do they control mankind? Because he seems like sort of the antithesis of a corporate guy. And he definitely mm -hmm. was. And I'll admit, so I know I've seen a lot of, I've seen all these Rawls building up to that show. So I didn't get to see a lot of that of how it was built. But I think sure. it was just Vince and his guys promising him certain things. And at the time, the mankind character was desperate to become champion and he was just agreeing to things and thinking, oh, if I follow Vince, like, I'll go straight to the top. I think it was more along that. So, yeah, Bo, this show was less about the quality wrestling and more about the incredibly quality storytelling, which was a hallmark of the Attitude Era. Sure. So, you, you know, they were constantly cutting back to Vince and his cronies, upset that Stone Cold got a bye because two wrestlers count, got counted out. So he yeah. advanced to the next round. And it's like, God damn it, Stone Cold got a bye. Yeah. So obviously Vince hated Stone Cold. He'd been through the whole rivalry with him that whole year already. And at this point, The Rock had just turned face for like the first time really? after he was in the Nation of Domination. So he was coming up as a true fan favorite. Mm -hmm. And The Undertaker was a heel at this point. So that was our final four. It was... Undertaker versus The Rock and Stone Cold versus Mankind. And again, Vince and his team was trying to do every single thing they could to have Stone Cold lose this match. The ref got knocked out at one point. So Shane McMahon at the time oh, I think was only a referee at this point. Yeah. He was a face. He'd uh -huh. helped Austin the previous couple weeks. So the ref is knocked out after Stone Cold hits Mankind with uh -huh. a stunner. And Shane runs down to the ring and slides in and goes, one, two, and he pauses coming down the three and flips him the double middle finger oh that is God. Stone Cold's trademark. And he runs out of the ring smiling and laughing and the whole, everyone's shocked because like they'd been aligned. And then eventually Mankind ended up winning. Uh, I can't, I think there was maybe a chair shot involved or what have mm -hmm. you. And Vince and Shane and everyone's laughing all the way to the back. Like, ha, 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 wow. Mankind wins. I think I've heard about this. Oh, it was Same a big man as the ref. It yeah. was a big night. And then quickly, The Rock and Undertaker match. It was okay. So again, these guys had four matches in a night. Mm -hmm. uh, but it ended up Kane, who had lost to The Undertaker earlier, came down and choke slammed The Undertaker, which then disqualified The Rock, or disqualified The Undertaker. Yeah. So The Rock won. Okay. And we go to the finals. And again, Vince seemingly wanting Mankind to win. That's yeah. the story they've been telling. 
And the previous year at Survivor Series 97 was known as the Montreal Screwjob, which you may or may not know about. And if not, we will dive deep into that. Sure. Uh, essentially, Bret Hart was leaving for WCW, and everyone knew it, but he was the champ. And he didn't want to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. Real life shit, because they'd had some real heat. Uh, but Vince, real life, called for the bell during mm -hmm. a sharpshooter that Michaels had on Bret. And yeah. Michaels won. And Brett spit in Vince McMahon's face and draws WCW in the air and actually wow. knocked him out backstage. Real life. Real life. But I only wanted to bring it up because it was, at that point, Shawn Michaels having the sharpshooter on Bret Hart. Vince called for the bell. The next year, The Rock has the sharpshooter on Mankind after a great match. And again, The Rock's the face, Mankind's the heel, and Vince calls for the bell when The Rock has it on. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And... Eventually, The Rock grabs the belt and he hugs Shane and Vince and like, whoa, he's turned. So it was what they call a double turn. He turned heel, Mankind turned face, and, you know, they're all hooting and hollering and having a good time. And Mankind's like, I'm confused, Mr. McMahon. And he's talking and then he's like, you're not going to be confused about this. And Rock clocks him with the belt yeah. and they declare him the corporate champion. Wow. So as he was climbing the ladder as the, the good guy, that the, the face that the yeah. fans wanted to love and get behind, they turned him heel. Wow. And that led to a rivalry between The Rock and Mankind throughout the rest of 98 and early 99, where Rock was the heel, Mankind was the face. Uh, but it was amazing stuff. Again, not the best technical wrestling, but the storylines all night were just outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, I could have thought at that moment, whenever you see The Rock grab Vince and Shane with the belt. Like, it it was a big group hug. Well, it could have been either that or a rock bottom. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, exactly. Like the way it's just physically The blocked. stories were just told so well. Like they had you on a string. That, this beginning shot looks like it would be in a Kenny Omega, you know, promo. <laughs> it looks like it's a video. You're right. Life, you know, six billion human beings on one planet. You know, you're like, what traumatic event is Denzel going to witness today? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like what horrible thing is going to happen to this guy? Just yeah. a couple of minutes till we find out. Just brushing it, shoot that. I can't even talk. Fucking <laughs> tooth brushing his shoe. Yeah. Oh, real quick. One what? other thing I wanted oh, to God. mention to you that okay. back then during the Attitude Era, the signs in the crowd were always hilarious. Yeah. And there were, I saw it in Survivor Series, there was a ton of 420 signs. Really? All the time. And I'm 10 years old back no then. No idea. I had no clue what 420 meant. Yeah. But it's just funny looking back at how many there were. And like, yeah, stuff. and um, I'll have to tell you, whenever I went to... Um, WCW Uncensored, you know, that oh, I told yeah. you about. We had We're going to do a deep dive on oh, that. Oh, we will. Yeah, yeah. We, we brought signs, and I'll have to tell you what some of those signs said. Oh, yeah. Great. One day. Excellent. Sign so, me up. So let's go into the November 18th version of AEW Dynamite last night. Uh, Bo and I watched this together over Zoom, mm -hmm. and we had a great time, didn't we? We did. We had a digital blast. We had a digital blast. It was a fun show. There was not a lot of time for breaks. Fortunately, we had the world-famous picture-in-picture to fire out oh, some back. tweets yeah, and write yeah, some yeah. notes down. Right back where it belongs this week, after being conspicuously absent last yeah, week. Yeah, why wasn't it world-famous you know, or restaurant quality or any of that? You know what so the show started with the Young Bucks against Top Flight. Top Flight, a new tag team debuting on Dynamite. 
They had had a couple matches on AEW Dark. They're from the Indies. I'd never seen them before, um, but the Young Bucks defeated Top Flight in nine. It was only a nine-minute match, I was surprised yeah. to hear, uh, with the BTE trigger, but Top Flight looked great. Top Flight was awesome. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, they lived up to their name. Like when one of their members, um, their, their, their brothers. Brothers. Don, Don, Dante. Dante and Darius. Yeah, one of them got up really high and like vaulted over that was the, Dante. The, the, the yeah, he yeah. did the flip over the ropes, top. Yeah. Like that hang time yeah. was unbelievable. That was the highlight of the match, despite them losing. It was like, great. Like, so yeah. you know, again, we talked about it. Everyone knew the Young Bucks were going to win. Mm. You know, they just won the titles, but Top Flight was so impressive. And mm. credit to the Young Bucks, they allowed Top Flight to get all their moves in, to get a lot of offense in. The pace was quick. A lot of high flying and Darius, uh, the I can't remember Martin. This Darius Martin, the the older brother. Yeah. Um, he was doing a lot of heavy strikes yeah. and chops, so you can tell he's kind of the bigger bruiser. Dante more the high flyer. Um, but they look great. And if you recall when Darius was chopping, I think it was Matt Jackson. Um, Jr. said those strikes are delivered by land and sea. Oh yeah, is uh, Paul Revere yeah, moment. Yeah. Uh, but it was a great match. Um, there was a, a roll-up near fall by the end that uh, one of the Martin brothers got. But again, we knew the Young Bucks were going to win. Mm. But just an awesome opener to the yeah. match. It really set the tone for the night. It did. It, it really, really did. And uh, I deeply hope and truly expect that we're going to see top flight very oh, I, soon. I the, think they're going to be, become more and more match. of a focal point of this division. It's going to mm. take a little time, but I'm excited to see what lies ahead for them. Yeah. And if you recall... We had, I noticed last week, I say if you recall a lot, but if you recall, uh, Top Flight was attacked by the Hybrid 2 after the match, which you haven't seen much of those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like a tall, lanky guy, and Helico, uh, and then yeah. Jack Evans is kind of the shorter. But mm -hmm. they're, they're a fun, exciting team. Uh, we'll call them semi-jobbers. Jo yeah. uh, they've been on AEW Dark a lot, but they, I think them and Top Flight could certainly have some exciting matches. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you recall, there was also the handshake between the Young Bucks and Top Flight kind of putting them over as well as great job, kids. Um, and then we go into the first segment of the Inner Circle Slays ah. Vegas, mm. or Marvez, as we determined yeah. last week. Um, interesting segment here. This was part one of two. First off, they went right into it. Mm. I thought they were going to go to a commercial, and I was yeah. getting ready to hop up and get a beer. And I'm like, oh, shit, this here is it. Here it comes, yeah. Um, so what was your what's your immediate reaction on the segment before we kind of dig into really what happened here? Um, question marks. Yeah. Like, what are the implications? Is this just a comedic romp, or is there some sort of plot movement thing? And you know, questions of can it be both? Are they mutually exclusive things? Um, you know, I don't think they are. We're going to go into that. But yeah, uh, I'm left uh, kind of a bit. You know. Uh, yeah, question marks. Yeah, so really I wrote down, it was started with a little cheesy-ass video. There, it was set to some butt rock, if oh, you recall. I, I have six notes from the first part. Okay. So I wrote, Vegas Inner Circle, underline, and these are just direct notes. Grain liquor, hallucinatory pot, butt rock, bar fight, the hangover plot beats, and no masks in sight. I think you like, just nailed it. Yeah, there, that, that was funny, like not one, and I assume this was recorded... I think it was over the weekend. Over the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, uh, 
Like, obviously, I imagine Vegas casinos have to have some strict-ass You would policy. imagine. Yeah, and, like, with not one of those in sight, like, I'm sure they were able to work it they out. They probably it got fine. some, it definitely yeah. seemed like they had some private areas yeah, set yeah, up. Yeah. But, yeah, not even feigning uh, wearing Yeah, it. especially since the visibility of masks in Dynamite, it's all around the ring. For sure. You know, and uh, that they chose not to do it there was, uh, you know, I think a, a, a choice worthy of mentioning. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think you nailed it with your... I feel like it was like a six word description there almost, yep. but the, you summed it up. Yep. So it was like a montage of the inner circle. And remember we've got MJF and Wardlow on board now in Las Vegas. Started with the, you know some of them at the blackjack table and Sammy Guevara is like, I've got blackjack. And then MJF's like, I've got blackjack. And MJF clearly took Sammy's yeah. cards or something like that. Um, you had Jericho and MJF up at the bar kind of one-upping each other yeah, on their drink orders. Just like they did with the steaks. I'll have a slippery nipple. I'll have a rum and coke. And it got to the point where it's like a shot of vodka. It went to grain liquor. And then it went to grain alcohol, yeah. Everclear, and they both take the shot together yeah. and they yell out, Son of a bitch! Um, and then we get to the parking lot, and Conan, a former WCW lucha legend, the guy's been around forever, he comes out randomly with Santana and Ortiz, and mentioned something about dragons. There's no dragons oh, here. Oh, and you know, the smoke billowing out that. Yeah. So they're smoking some hallucinatory pot in yeah, Nevada. Apparently. And this yeah. was all done, you could tell right away, it was done under the lens of the movie The Hangover. Oh, it, it, Like they were almost virtually directly ripping off a lot of it as we'll get into it yeah, to part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, th th there are two specific moments, one in part one and one in part two, where it's, you know, a direct homage. Yeah, and... This ended, it actually, I think the best part of part one was when they got, I think they were in a bar and Wardlow and Jake Hager, the two big guys of the faction, who have kind of been just staring at each other ever since this yeah. happened in any photos and segments, mm -hmm. they're set to square off at some point. But sure. they yeah. were each just beating the crap out of random bar patrons. One of them would walk up to Wardlow and he'd punch him down. And one of them would walk up to yeah. Hager and he'd punch him down. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I was also a bit... Yeah. You know, underwhelmed by this first yeah, part, but it, it had a, it had a few moments. Yeah, but it, again, it was okay, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to part two. Sure. And then we go to our guy, Cincinnati Zone, the AEW World Champion, John Moxley, cutting a promo in what you referred to as a nightclub bathroom. It did. Oh, I mean, like. Number one, like it had the walls going all the way. They were like brick. They looked nice. And it had that sort of... The neon lights. Yeah, the neon lights. And it looked like he was... Like, you know when you sit down on a toilet, there's no backrest and you're kind of <laughs> hunched over. Yeah, he's leaning forward. Yeah, he's like leaning forward like that. It looked like he was sitting on a toilet. It almost kind of yeah. looks like he could be down here in the bunkhouse oh, where we're oh, at right now. Easily, getting yeah. interrogated by someone. Yeah, for sure. But Moxley, as always, cuts an outstanding, passionate promo uh he mentioned he's been on a crazy ass ride for 16 years and essentially gives all the credit of success to his dad who he referred to as a six foot three brick shit house and boxed his ears boxed his ears like ludwig von beethoven yeah so it was it was a very passionate promo and talked about his dad picking him up from jail one time and basically telling yeah. him you know what son it's okay he wasn't mad but he's like because we're the good guys and that was the theme throughout this. Moxley kept going back to like that. A, we're yeah. the good guys. We're the good guys. Um, he even breaks a little news in this promo, mentioning he has a pregnant wife at mm -hmm. home who you don't know. Her, she was Renee Young in WWE. She was there for a long time. Awesome backstage interviewer. She did some commentary. Renee's great. 
Um, but congratulations to John and Renee. That's very exciting. It is. Um, Moxley mentions he's got two titles on two continents because he's also still the New Japan United States champion, but he's not been able to get back in the country. Uh, So he really is on top of the game right now. And again, this promo was hyping up the contract signing between he and Kenny Mm -hmm. Omega. So again, he kind of doubles down and saying he's going to beat Kenny Omega on December 2nd. But just a great, great promo here. Yeah, yeah. What we got next? Uh, so next we go to Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian with Miro on commentary. And Miro really kind of shined in this whole segment. You know, for an Orange Cassidy thing, he stole the show, which rarely happens You're right. Orange Cassidy He thing. really did. Yeah. So Orange Cassidy defeated Kip Sabian in a great back-and-forth contest in 11 minutes and 7 seconds with the mousetrap, which is kind of like a, a roll-up maneuver. He kind of caught him off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Unlike John Silver did at Full Gear, where he was kind of buying up everything Orange was doing with the little kicks and the lackadaisical sloth-like yeah. attitude, Kip Sabian was not buying oh, into yeah. that bullshit. And, like, there's a big difference in, like, in trying to understand um, how you go about with this character, Orange Cassidy, in matches. Like, he always does that little kick thing. And how the opponent sort of breaks that and breaks into the match matters. Exactly. But Silver took it dead serious. Oh, Silver was buying up every morsel, every drop yeah. of it. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Acting like these little kicks were destroying his well, leg. And I think in terms of what you're sort of communicating and telegraphing, I think that communicates Silver's going to lose a lot faster than Kip Sabian did, who, like, didn't put up with it very yeah, much. Yeah, and, you know, there were times where we thought Kip Sabian was going to win this match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you recall, because – there it is again uh, – because uh, Orange was trying to get his shit in, remember how many times he tried to put his hands in his pockets, mm-hmm. which is his trademark, yeah. and Kip wouldn't let him do it. But I had written down here, uh-huh. after a few minutes, he was finally able to slide the hands into the pockets. Mm-hmm. Um but they had some hard. There, there were some hard shots in this. There were some great counters. Yeah. Uh, Jr. Refor- <laughs> referred to Orange as having some serious ass athleticism, which I thought was pretty funny. Serious ass. Serious. That's a great ass hyphen ass, ass word. It's hard to even say. Serious ass athleticism. Wow, wow. that's a mouthful, brother. Yeah, good job, Jr. Oh, um, he is a wordsmith. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That he he always has been that. The Oklahoma poet. Oh. Um, and OC Orange Cassidy tried to do the double high fives to Penelope Ford, which distracted, which was a distraction. And then that's how Kip Sabian took advantage. Uh So we'll talk about this again during the pack blade match. But you and I mentioned this while we were watching together tonight is a good heel. There's a reason heels always have managers or other wrestlers with them at ringside. And there's always those moments in the match where the face is in control, the face is in control, but just Penelope getting right in front of uh, Orange Cassidy, giving the high fives, allowed Kip that one moment. And then he really took control for the next several minutes of the match. Yeah, exactly. And again, back and forth. Um, match was a little better than I thought it would be. It, it kept going. Um, and Miro on Miro and Shivani on commentary, if you recall, when they came back from the world-famous picture-in-picture, were talking about Twitch. Yeah. Because, like, Miro's been painted as this, like, video game character, which is kind of lame, to be honest. But I thought it was funny, Miro and old man Skiavone talking about Twitch. And I even wrote down that uh, Shivani at one point's like, yeah, I get it. It It's like this old man understands Twitch, which is pretty funny. I bet Skiavone's a big, like, Halo fan or something like that. (laughs) He's definitely big on skiing on a bone. Well, entirely. Um, 
But there were some hard hits down the stretch. I know Kip got a near fall, but he got caught off guard with the mousetrap. Just a nice, solid, fun match. And Miro was awesome on commentary. He was cracking me up. But then he really had one of the highlights of the show right after the match. Oh, he most certainly did just... Instant, like the one, two, three count hits. hits. And then you see him in the back of the shot just charging up. <laughs> and it's like a video game character oh, almost. Yeah. Just he was up, booking it. Booking it with his arm extended and yeah. he just like speared Orange Cassidy's ass. Yeah, so they have yeah. the commentary booth set up at like the top of the ramp. And yeah, it, it felt like immediately the three like, count like hit. Like Scooby-Doo running. Like, and you just saw Mira, like you said, the, the camera work was perfect. He was right in the corner and he's running with everything he's got. And we were dying laughing yeah. to that. Instant. And, I would say let's cut to the reaction, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you bungled the first uh, half of the show getting it recorded. Yeah, no. Uh, the- oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, fun stuff there. And uh, they kind of they put the beat down on Orange, but the best friends came out as well. So that kind of yeah. that feud will continue on. But it was it was it was a delight. Like, it, was. it was. It just, was just you know, a good time. Like a great self-aware. Like yes, in wrestling, after the match is over, it's not really over. Yeah. Oh, you know, rarely j- is it j- over. J- j- it just relished in that. How many times on this show did we see a post-match beatdown? Oh, all the Often. time. Often. Um, loves it, especially at the end of the show. Absolutely. And then we go into, we're getting ready for the biggest signing in AEW Dynamite history, the contract signing for the John Moxley, Kenny Omega, AEW World Title Match. B- Bildus, winter is coming now. Yes, uh, on December 2nd Which at Dynamite, we, and it let, is billed as winter is coming. Lending credence to another um, intersection between HBO and, and Turner. Turner. Ah, the Game of the Thrones. The plot continues. Um, so interesting that they decided to go that route. It's fine. It's whatever. But it's kind of lame that they're like really, really driving it in. Um, but the biggest thing from this for me um, was the cleaner. Kenny Omega finally returned. They'd kind of been hyping this. Well, not kind of. They flat out been hyping this up with his entrance. With the, the women coming Every, out with the brooms. Everything but a name. So the cleaner was Kenny's character in New Japan. Badass. He wore the glasses. He was the heel. Uh, just a different vibe, different persona than what we've seen on AEW. And again, they've been hinting at it. And he finally comes out with the suit, with the sunglasses. Very smug. And, Bo, I was going crazy, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, you were. No, this was definitely, um, you know, if I had uh, done my due diligence, we'd do it. <laughs> We could cut to it again, uh, but Kenny imagine. takes Kenny takes a seat right down at the table in the middle of the ring, and um, Skiavone introduces Moxley, and Moxley is nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but we, we cut backstage, and he's down on the ground. Someone beat his ass, like like, like pretty badly. Like they were oh, talking yeah. about stabilizing his neck and taking Getting him out. So, so, so some pretty serious shit. So we here. don't. We don't know who the mystery attacker is. They did not reveal it, uh, obviously. I'm sure that will come over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so this ended up being kind of just a quick promo for Kenny Omega to cut. It was interesting. You probably don't know this, but those two faced off last year at Full Gear. I did oh, tell the, you the, 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 um, the non-sanctioned, non-sanctioned mm-hmm. but it was supposed yeah. to be at All Out, the pay-per-view before in August, but uh, Moxley had an elbow injury. Yeah. So Kenny mentions, you know, kind of smug asshole. He's like, yeah, first it's the elbow, now it's this. Like, you're going to keep ducking me, John? Um, 
So it's been an interesting build to this story because they haven't really faced off yet. That was supposed to happen last mm -hmm. night, but we had the mystery attacker. So yeah. the intrigue continues. And the buildup. And we yeah. all know this is going to be a kick-ass fucking match in two weeks on December 2nd. Yeah, I mean, J JR is billing it as the biggest night in AEW Dynamite history, and I don't think either of us disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like I told you last night, this is definitely the biggest match in Dynamite history, mm -hmm. and I can't wait um, but real quick, let's talk about who this attacker could be. Um, one man conspicuous by his absence entirely since Full Gear is our fucking guy, Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. Who has been, you know, he's going to be going, he's going to be hitting rock bottom after that loss, but we haven't seen him. I don't think it was him who did this attack because I don't think he would want to help Kenny. But who knows where his mindset is right yeah. now after the loss. If he's just trying to, you know, just bring the whole apparatus down. Just be a factor in mm -hmm. whatever way. Yeah. But I, again, I don't know who it is. Could it be Kenny perhaps aligning with someone new? Mm -hmm. Could it be someone new debuting? Could it be the Young Bucks? I doubt because yeah. they've been kind of going more face. What, but can, what can he pull that stuff though? Like, like, would that be in his character? To, the cleaner like, would. The cleaner would. Okay. So Again, that's we're entering different. a different character here. Yeah. The, okay. the former Kenny Omega in AEW probably would not. But that's why I'm thinking, like, would this iteration of Kenny pull that? I think he would. Um, but I don't know who it is. And we'll I'm sure we'll probably figure out before the match. Mm. But if it's Hangman, that would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it is. Um... I'm actually this beating makes me more fascinated. Like he's this dude who works at like a lumber store. Yeah. Know? Like where is this big? You know? Well, yeah, yeah. Like what is this relationship here? You know, like he's just disappointed in his sandwich that he brought for work. You know, like <laughs> oh, he's trying to get him. He's, he's just getting to lose weight. Chips on his. Oh, he tried to pass the chips off as the tuna bones. <laughs> I've legitimately never heard that one before. Wow. All right, I put the notes down, put the phone down. I'm going to dial in for a minute here. Um, okay, so then we go to Inner Circle Slays Vegas Part 2. Okay. And this started with them on, a, on the rooftop, okay. yeah. exactly like The Hangover. Mm -hmm. They're all drunk. MJF has a scarf tied around his head. They're yeah. with Elvis. Yeah. And this is where we're like, okay, enough of just the direct hangover yeah, shit. And they do like a howl. Like yeah, MJF like cuts howl, the speech yeah. about being with his wolf pack. Uh, although it was funny, you know, they mentioned something about Blood Brothers and Sammy Guevara almost cut his oh, own hand. and it's not, he doesn't, pull, he pulls out like this big, like, butcher knife. A giant, giant ass butcher knife. knife. And he's been, like, carrying around Vegas. <laughs> that would entirely be confiscated. With, like, this, an eight-inch blade. Oh, yeah, and that would be confiscated the second you walk into a casino. <laughs> Instant, yeah. which is hilarious. When it was yeah. funny, like, they were all, of course, drunk or feigning drunk, yeah, and yeah. Sammy just busts out this yeah. fucking knife. He's like, oh, Blood Brothers, you want to be Blood Brothers? Yeah, and starts to get ready to cut well, his and, hand. And, and, and you know, now that you mentioned it, I think that actually is a good, a good part of highlight of this segment because like it was for sure because like that like him doing that has sort of a dual like emotional kind of thing to it because like he seems naive and stupid in doing it, but it also is kind of like a, a sort of a pass at, at MJF. Like, oh yeah. Like, like and he seemed both of those at the same time, and so now that you mention it like that, I actually think that is. Uh, like like one of the more compelling parts of the well, match. Well, and as we talked about last mm -hmm. night, and we'll continue, like, 
That's where this story, I think, is heading first, is Sammy yeah, versus exactly. MJF. Sammy likely going to break off as a face? I don't know yet, but they've been building that friction. If you remember, uh, Sammy didn't get that email from MJF last oh, week. the second email. Ah. There's been that friction, which will continue here. Um, so after the, the whole thing on the rooftop, we cut to them inside the morning after. And yeah, continuing with that friction, MJF stumbles out drunk and he's got written all over his face. Everything but a penis drawing, pretty and, much. And there's, it's written like soft, yeah. Sammy was here. Yeah. Th- like clearly Sammy was the one who drew all mm-hmm. over his face. MJF confronts Sammy, who's like passed out in like a bath. Or oh, a, oh no, in a fountain. Fountain, yeah. yeah. It's a fountain. And... Sammy calls him soft there, and he's laughing at what's on his face. So, again, that friction is continuing. And you mentioned earlier about the question marks of, like, what what is the outcome of what's, this? What are the implications of I this? I think that's the biggest thing is, like, those two are going to be coming right. to a head sooner yeah, rather yeah, than later. But, but um, I guess my main point of contention with that is that was obvious with the email. And I don't think that changed anything. No, it didn't. Um, it just furthered it, it, it furthered the fracture it, between yeah, those yeah, two. Yeah, it did. And... Uh, I guess what I would have liked to have seen perhaps in the bit for that to be furthered is other people witnessing that and like maybe not being forced to take sides instantly, but like understanding that that's going to happen in the future. For sure. Mm -hmm. So currently it's really only been Sammy and Ortiz that have kind of been not into this whole MJF and Wardlow thing. Um, But you're right. It's really nothing new here. But it's kind of further those fractures. And Ortiz seems to be a little more okay with it. And actually, if you recall right after that, Ortiz was kind of pumping, that, lifting that was weights. Him. That, okay, I was going to ask you Which was definitely maybe yeah. the highlight of the segment yeah. for me. He's, it was after MJF and Sammy talked. And he's just kind of in the background. And he's got dumbbells. And he's one at a time just pumping them at like an he's insane the only, rate. He's the only one who's not like just absurdly hungover. Correct. He's yeah, he's dead. just pumping iron. Yeah. Um, and then we see... Santana, his partner, passed out, and there's like empty bottles, and like there's chickens and farm animals and shit like that, and you hear the baby crying like in the Hangover, and it was Hornswoggle. See, it was everything but the tiger. Like I was expecting the friggin' tiger to show up. Yeah, and it didn't, and like that actually was good. It was good. There were chickens and hens. Yeah, the the farm animals. Uh, So the baby was Hornswoggle, who is a famed little person wrestler who was in WWE for a long time. Um, it just, the segment just missed for me, I think. Like, again, there yeah. were some laughs, there were some good parts, but overall, I think it lacked creativity. It's 2020, Bo. It's not 2014 or whenever The Hangover came out. Exactly. It's dated. It's not funny anymore. Um, but yeah. again, bits and pieces were it, good. It did. Um, just a few things about it. Um, one, it's coming off the heels of, um, La Dinner Debonair yep. and the MJF Jericho match, which was, you know... Maybe a little bit weak, but it's coming off of higher moments, correct? You know, in in this story, and uh, you know, it just didn't do what it could possibly do because you, you know the 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 uh, conflict within the inner circle is coming. Yep. But it could have pronounced it a bit more instead of just saying, "Hey, that thing that we've like nodded toward is still in the same state." I agree. You know, like I said about people taking, like people are going to have to take sides soon. Yep. And I wish it would have gestured a little bit towards that. 
it kind of kept things stuck in neutral, didn't it? Did, it did, did, yeah. Uh, you know, you kind of, and there were no show tunes sung. There was no Wayne Newton. I, I thought they were going to do what it. What a um, disappointment. After they took the shot, when they yeah, kind of yeah, turned yeah. around, you yep. know, like I, I thought they were really going to do think, it. So yeah. the segment was a miss, unfortunately. I think there was just so much talent there. It could have been better. Mm. But again, we will see how we'll things continue see, with this story. Maybe line. retroactively, we'll look at it differently here in a few weeks. Yep. But. So Eddie Kingston comes out on commentary. Refers to Skiavone as you low life Shivani. Oh, he you know, he he literally says at one point, I don't like yeah, you. Yeah, he's he's cutting yeah, Shivani just, just, the whole time. Yeah, but he, this he, is he does uh, not like skiing on a bone. He he comes out for his boy the Blade. So Pac makes his triumphant return to the ring tonight against the Blade, and he defeats the Blade in 11-20 minutes with the Brutalizer. Um, a great match. Well, it wasn't a great match, but it was a very nice TV match. Pac looked awesome. Pac looked jacked. He's absolutely jacked. He he looked like the Kenny. O- we, he looked like Kenny Omega. How we want Kenny Omega to look. Yeah. Shred it down a little bit, Ken. Uh, I wrote down here the bastard was looking fierce, and that I wouldn't want to be in his way either of him coming back. Because I think Jr. Or Excalibur, someone was like. Well, I, I wouldn't want to be the one standing in Pac's way on his first night back. Me neither. Um, I wrote down multiple Eddie Kingston quotes here because it, he was just great. Um, JR mentioned to Eddie that he had a blended family, and he's like, it's 2020, Jim. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I wrote down just flat out Eddie Kingston saying, I really don't like you, Shivani. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> just flat Antagonizing out. Antagonizing the announcers, which is, which is fun. Yeah. And oh, what was this? Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people in shape who can't squash a grape in a food fight, Shivani. Because <laughs> I think they were referring to how in great shape Pac was. And I think Eddie was kind of making the point, well, like, you don't, just because you're in great shape doesn't mean shit. Because yeah, Eddie, not in great shape. No. He's a bit pudgy. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he's like he's your angry neighbor. Got the beer yeah. gut going. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a great line. But this match also had a moment multiple times with because the Blade had both Butcher and the Bunny out there to help him out, and multiple times they were distracting Pac, uh, Butcher attacking yeah. Pac. Like, that's what the heels had to yeah, do. Yeah, that's when, when you were talking about having the heel, having that extra person it's out there. It's an important thing yeah, for it, them. Yeah, obstructing. Yep, getting getting them the advantage in the match, because yeah. otherwise, honestly, Blade was getting his ass kicked, because yeah, Pac looked great. Um, another thing, a, a JR quote, Eddie, you're a bright light on a dark night. <laughs> Was it a particularly dark night? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. In, in Jim Ross. Uh, but the match ended with a great uh, shooting textbook shooting star press, which is you're facing forward and you do a backflip, also known as like a gainer. Sounds uh, like a hard move. And then he got him into the brutalizer and mm-hmm. he tapped out immediately. Wow. Um, but of course. Eddie Kingston comes down to the ring right after the match. He wasn't booking it down like our guy Miro. Well, he kind of waltzed in but there. But he, yeah, he, he did his slow jaunt, his Eddie Kingston walk, um, and he got it. And they all beat down Pac. And remember, I think you mentioned this was some great camera work. Eddie oh, they, got right in his face, yeah. and he did, he did the violin sign. He's like, it's the world's smallest violin playing just well, for you. Well, and they had Pac down, and they had him in a chokehold um, in a very vulnerable position. And... Yeah, that was really good. And, uh, and then Phoenix th- comes th- out to make the save. And that, that, that's our first really good reaction of, of the episode. Let's check it out. There hasn't really been, honestly, like the, oh, here we go. He's going to talk. The inner circle stuff has been some of the weakest part of the show, if I'm yeah, being honest. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was... Oh, 
You see this bastard? This is oh hell yeah! Phoenix oh. comes to the aid. Okay, so now he—it's official. He's split. Yeah. Hell yeah! So it's almost like Phoenix and Pac are going to be the faces in this, which because Pac had been a pretty big heel since he got here, but um, that seems to have uh, reversed. Here comes Pentagon. He's obviously going to. Well, I don't know. Does he join back up with Pac? And, and, and like they've got him like centered right there. Yep. Oh. Oh. Wow. Wow. Oh. Wow. The death triangle is back. So Phoenix initially came out to make the save, and then the bigger moment of intrigue was Pentagon coming out with the chair because. For weeks now, Eddie Kingston has referred to Pentagon as his best friend. He even kicked Phoenix out of the ring last week. And we were talking, like, in the moment, like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? It, it has to. Like, because, something has to happen. And we talked Pentagon, Phoenix, and Pac were together as the death triangle pre-COVID. Pac's been out of the country eight months, so they had to spin that story. So it's like, is the death triangle going to get back together? Are Phoenix and Pentagon going to split and one go their separate way? And there was that pause. Mm. And we kind of like talked about this with Survivor Series too. Like just the moment of there's that two second period where you just wait of like, what's going to happen? Is he going to hit Eddie Kingston with the chair? Is he going to hit Phoenix or Pac with the chair? And like, it feels like time stands still for, mm. for just a minute. Yeah. And he took a pass right at Eddie Kingston. He didn't hit him, but Kingston ran out of the ring. So it looks like the death triangle, the death is, triangle is complete. Yes, it is. Is it an isosceles triangle? I don't know. Is or, it a right triangle? I think it's more acute in my book. I thought it was a little more obtuse. <laughs> uh, but great, great stuff there. That was very intriguing. Good, good like, um, mid-match. Yeah, maybe again, another post-match like dust-up as well, oh, which yeah, is right a after theme that. of this show. Well, yeah. I mean, when Kingston and them attacked oh, sure, yeah, before yeah. everyone came and, out. And it doubled up with the Jade Cargo bit. Right so after that's that. where we're headed here. Um, so, yeah, right after that... Um, we cut backstage, and Jade Cargill, who debuted last week, interrupting Cody. We had no idea who she was. It came out over the week that she's officially signed with AEW. Um, it cut backstage, and she was beating up Brandy Rhodes, and who they had a, a, a cat fight of words last week, oh, so yeah, to yeah. speak. Oh, 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 a thing that we uh, like one of our the high points of the last week's show. For sure. It was a great opinion. segment. It was. Yeah. Uh, so following up on that, Cargill had attacked Brandy Rhodes, and noteworthy that both Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero were holding off people trying to help her. Yeah. So could this be a potential alliance with the three of them? Mm, yeah, there were like seven people there. Yeah, and yeah, everyone was trying them. to help, and mm. you know, Nyla and Vicky were fending them off. It was madness. Yeah. Um, and it ended with Jade had Brandy's arm in the chair, and she stomped the chair. So Brandy may come out with a broken arm or arm in a sling, but yeah. good stuff. I mean, I'm excited to see Brandy kind of infused into a storyline where she can, you know, show her passion and not come off the way she's been coming off on Dynamite. Mm. Um, so a lot to look forward to to this. And Jade, I mean, she just looks amazing. Yeah. She's ripped. She's shredded. Uh, I'm just excited to see what yeah, she yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, no, no. She stole the show last week and just continued on the same trajectory. And hoping that she introduces Shaq eventually. Oh, like, like we talked about last week. They have to. It's like, going to happen. How could you not? It's yeah, going to yeah, happen yeah. at yeah. some point. Um, 
So then we go to the women's match for the NWA World Championship. Serena Deeb against Thunder Rosa. And Serena Deeb defeated Thunder Rosa with what I call the double underhook pile driver. I don't know the name. In 13 minutes, 12 seconds. Longest match on the show, which is interesting because it's typically not a women's match. But I would also call it the best match on the yeah, show. Yeah, I though. thought like, like it was probably the most, the, the, the most closely contended. And the one even beyond Top Flight and Young Bucks where I was like, man, Thunder Rosa was just so much cooler. Oh, yeah. Than Serena Deeb. Just, For just, sure. Just, I wondered in like just her showing and just who she was, how she looked. Even though she did. lost the yeah. match, she looked more impressive. And yeah. it's not to take away well, from Serena Deeb either, yeah. who also looked great. But I think Thunder Rosa came out looking like a star yeah. in this match. What's interesting is she is technically a free agent. So mm -hmm. she was in NWA. And there's been a lot of rumors on the internet. Is she going to sign with AEW? Is she going to go to WWE? Yeah. And Dr. Britt Baker had tweeted something to Thunder Rosa earlier in the week about stop, you know, stop buying into your own hype train. You're nothing. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. Some, some, yeah, yeah, some sort something of like, like, shit talk. And during the match, Britt Baker came and attacked Thunder Rosa. And typically when something like that happens, the match is going to end. She yeah. hit her with the move outside, but Thunder Rosa kicked out. Yeah. And it kept going for another five, six minutes. But this was a great, great technical wrestling match. Um, again, it was my favorite match of the night. I'm glad the women are getting a, you know, more of a spotlight because, to be honest, yeah. the women's division of AEW has been one of the weak spots. And admittedly, they've had a lot of injuries. So mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's nobody's fault, really. And it'll, this all takes time for a new company. But I think there's bright, you know, bright things to come. Oh, yeah. And I love how Thunder Rosa beat Britt Baker's ass at the After the match, yeah. See, and, like, they gave her that. And I was really glad they gave her that. Because Britt returned to the crowd. Mm -hmm. She was sitting at ringside. Yeah. And, yeah, Thunder Rosa loses and goes right after her. And yeah. if you recall, there it is again. Um... They were kind of going after each other, and then people would break it up, and then they'd go at it again, and people would break it up, which is another classic staple of wrestling. It's like you have eight to ten, sometimes even more people trying to break two people up, and they just can't seem to make it no, happen. <laughs> Continuing on that theme, we go to a backstage promo with John Silver and mm -hmm. Anna Jay, his Dark Order stablemate, and they cut a promo. Johnny was so hungry. Yeah. Uh, but this was really about the fact that Anna Jay is getting a shot next week at Hikaru Shida mm. for the AEW Women's Championship. Mm. I'm very excited about that match. Silver really got us riled up as he yeah, always he, does. He sure did. Do you, do, you want, do you want to cut to that? Let's cut yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> He's a treat. He really is. Like. Johnny is so hungry. He's playing that real intense, you know. I don't like to use the word coked up because that's like, does not seem descriptive. It's too silly to be like, you know. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, yeah. He's so yeah, he doesn't have that like angry, you know, like I'm going to fight, you know. Yeah, he's like happy and fun. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely an element of jokester. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He's in on his own joke. For sure. Here we go. Here's the guys. So, yeah, he was screaming, Anna Jay is bringing gold back to the Dark Order. And you recall he hissed. He did the... Uh, but Silver, as always, owning the segment, pure entertainment. And we talked about it. One day we're going to hang out with him. He's going to come and beat our asses. He, he will. It, it is a eventuality at this point. I have two notes. Please. 
dope intense. <laughs> you got Those it. Those are my notes. John Silver continues to impress. Can't wait to see what to comes comes. comes. Yeah, Can't I wait mean, to see more from him. De- de- definitely, like you know, like it's gonna. It's easy to say Orange Cassidy is your favorite character. John Silver is my favorite character. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I told you this last night that I've only watched one of his matches on the Indies. And on indie wrestling, they don't give a fuck about copyright and whatever as it pertains to entrance songs. So his song was. I just had sex. Oh, that team page song. <laughs> and like he came out to it, I'm just like dying. And he's flexing like he yeah. always, the muscle dummy that he, I mean, he's fucking jacked. Oh, but he's only like, what, five, nine, yeah. ten? He's I, a little dude. I hope if he comes to her house and he fights us, um, he asks us like what a muscle dummy is. <laughs> you know? Like hopefully that's the thing that, uh, you know, sends him our way. So more exciting stuff from Silver, who's been incredible with Brody Lee out due to injury, who is the leader of the Dark Order, but Silver's kind of been the surrogate leader, okay. and he does a great job rallying the troops. Yeah, he and does. It's always entertaining. Yeah. So we go into the main event. <laughs> we noted Team Taz with Taz. Team Taz. <laughs> uh, Cage and Ricky Stalks, who, uh, noteworthy, are ranked four and five, respectively, in the singles rankings against Cody and Darby Allen, the new TNT champ. Um... Team Taz defeated Cody and Darby Allen with the Avalanche Drill Claw, which we'll get into in 11 minutes and 17 seconds. But a nice, another intriguing kind of video for Darby Allen for his entrance as he's sitting on top of a church, yeah. skating yeah. through the church. It, it, it is always at risk from being for being too much. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, 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 like the first thing I think I said on this whenever the promo came on was, oh, this is gothic. And it has it. It's in the church, um, and he's skateboarding through the church, which would piss some pastor off. Oh, like, I'm sure there's goodness. one pastor in the United States of America that just is, yeah, that's fuming over skateboarding in in, in, in He may never church. watch AEW Dynamite oh, again. Oh, it's sacrilegious at this point. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, we, we talked a lot about how that led into Darby Allen's character, that it could be such a louder thing, but you describe them as quiet. And I think that makes him just a lot more like, because it could be a lot much more of a belligerent character for I think. sure i think and, the and fact that he doesn't strained. the fact that he doesn't talk a lot is good and yeah. like we've said it kind of built that it builds that mystique around yes, him exactly La- you know the last couple weeks he's sitting up in the very upper rafters of the arena yeah um so yeah i think they've really nailed his character and frankly like when he came a year ago i didn't know who he was and the fans back especially when they could have more fans just like really got behind this guy yeah. because he's so great and exciting in the ring too mm-hmm. and there is that air of mystery sure, around yeah, him yeah, very agile and it's like fun to see the small guy do things to the big guy yeah you oh, know? Like, always and, and, and he cage, does those things yeah like, yeah his cage is enormous yeah i mean and, he's probably only 511 but to, he's like, giant flip these guys around in midair and use them and it's uh it's pretty cool to see i think absolutely so he's also got a very narrow ass as oh, taz uh, mentioned and, and, and we learned uh so see, our buddy alex ratliff mentioned he's an avid uh reader literature guy said that in Stephen King novels, almost everyone, he refers to someone having a narrow ass, right. which I thought was really funny. So to our listeners, uh, for you out there, let's, let, let's do this channel. If you can find a Stephen King book quote that uses the term narrow ass, take a picture of it and tweet it at us. Yeah. Because we've been looking for it and I can't find we're it. We're talking to you, Ratliff. I bet you can find one. Yeah, yeah. Find um, us one, please. Yeah. Uh, but the match itself was exciting. It was fun. It was a good main event. Uh, Dobby and Ricky Stalks uh, had a slap battle early on. They had some good counters. I feel like Cage was just beating the crap out of everyone and just really asserting his dominance here in this mm-hmm. match. There was a time where 
a lot of guys, like everyone is kind of hitting their big moves, which is a hallmark of these kind of multi-man late matches. And then Cage just cleared the ring. Yeah, he did. Um, but the the height, uh, the probably the best move of the match prior to the finish, you mentioned Darby being able to do crazy stuff with bigger guys. Yeah. Cage picked him up for a powerbomb and he reversed it into what the Canadian Destroyer, where yeah. he completely did a flip yeah, did. over him. Yeah, and that, that was that was... Pretty awesome. It was amazing. And it ended with the avalanche drill claw, which the drill claw, he basically like picks you up vertically and slams you right down in front of you. A little different than a vertical suplex, but it came from the top rope. So Dobby jumped off the top rope and Cage caught him in midair, planted him with the drill claw, and then the sell from Darby. Oh, it was incredible. Was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should definitely cut to that. Boop. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, what a sell, too. Yeah, that was like just avalanche drill call. Tremendous sell. Damn. That was tight. Yeah, just falls, you know, just, you know, rigor mortis right there, man. <laughs> Boom. So Darby just like, he hit the ground and then just immediately timbered like a pencil dive. Yeah. It was just outstanding yeah, 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 stuff. It was, it was excellent. So we we move on to the post-match dust up. Which we knew there was going to be fireworks there. You knew there. something was yeah, going to be happening Especially if, here. if Team Taz Team was going Taz, to come out on top. Oh, what about, real quick, how about how Taz started at the commentary yeah. table and about midway through the match just came down and, to and ringside? You know, he was just okay at the commentary. He was very, like, he, he actually, was more reserved than he normally yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, and he was very analytical and, and we and made neutral. notes. Yeah, he was yeah. complimenting Darby a little bit, which he hadn't been doing at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just... And I mean, I like that part about his character. He just couldn't keep himself in. And he was no. just like, I got to get down there. So he, you know. so they come out and they're doing the post-match beatdown. And here comes Will Hobbs, yeah. who had come out at the end of Full Gear to help Darby, who had come out at the end of last week's, di- oh, or yeah, he, at last week's he, Dynamite. Yeah. But if you recall, he came late mm-hmm. before, after the scuffle was kind of done. He comes late again this time. And he hits Cody with the FTW championship, effectively turning heel. And if you recall, I was saying, like, you know, Team Taz has got to get a new member yeah. here. No, you know, you, like, let, let's... Almost immediately. All right, all right. So we're going to do another quick cut. But, like, we have to prove this to you. Here's the hard evidence. I'm still ready for them to uh, add another member. Yeah. I feel like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. Oh, Hobbs. It could be Hobbs. What what was that? Oh, yes. He just hit Cody. So, is this the new member? As I was literally typing it. And I was even mid-typing out a tweet about them needing a new member, and all of a sudden, Will Hobbs clocks Cody with the FTW championship. He's down. He's turned heel. Team Taz strengthens. They've got their new member. Will Hobbs, another big beefcake. He's going to beat some ass. Perfect member for Team Taz. And I love how Taz, like, they're cutting away, and they don't have Taz mic'd up during this point, but he's down there next to Cody. 
Yeah. And then the show ended, zoomed in on Taz's face. This is just the start. This is just the start. And that's how we love to end an episode of AEW Dynamite. We are big fans of Team Taz. This, this was his episode of Shine. Oh, man. Good shit. Same oh, there's that girl. Yeah. Oh, man, and she looks like all, like, goth out now. But it seems like they already know each other. Oh yeah, no, I mean, he, it seems like he's like got that relationship with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's like your advisor. You know, he's like just the good guy. Yeah, he's like your 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 like very subtle life coach. He's the equalizer. He is the equalizer. He just, <laughs> he just he starts off that way in the movie and just remains. That's that's the yeah. end part. Just <laughs> at it. Fixed point. first or should we do this first it doesn't matter to me uh it'll be short and it'll lead into top five moments cool so tell me about the equalizer too bill okay well i don't not not much about the equalizer too but beyond that there is an equalizer tv show that is under the turner tarp oh my goodness Mm -hmm. oh here it is ah all right so um the equalizer tv series get this um, this is a current series. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, premiered in uh, 2020. On, it's had on one, which network? CBS, which is which is um, Columbia, which I believe is under the tarp, um, and it stars um, Dana, open quote Queen Latifah, close quote <laughs> Owens as the Equalizer. Wow! <laughs> like like you know like is she billing herself as that now? I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe you have to check it out. You'll have to check it out anyhow. So let's go into the top five moments of Dynamite. Uh, like last week, I'll run through these, and if you have anything to add, I actually have an honorable mention this yeah, time because it. it was such a great show. Let's do it. Uh, my honorable mention is just the Top Flight debut. Yeah. They look tremendous, as we mentioned. We forgot to mention that. They came out in lucha masks, which is interesting yeah, yeah. for non lucha doors. Mm-hmm. And we learned that we both own lucha masks. So uh, yeah. once we get some a video component rolling of this show, yeah. we'll have to do one in lucha masks. Yeah, you'll for hear you. our voices will be muffled. Muffled. Um, all right, number five was the Serena Deeb Thunder Rosa match and everything thereafter with Britt Baker. Again, it was just the match of the night. Uh, happy to see the women getting a nice spotlight. Great match, great storytelling. And excited to see what comes from the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa feud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think that was, uh, you know, definitely one of the moments in the match that I was most emotionally invested in. And there were a lot of, like, big drop kicks. There were some big moves on the apron that we didn't really get into. But it was just great, great stuff. It was. Number four, the death triangle reuniting. Uh, Just... That moment, those, those, that moment where time stood still, like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Is he going to go with Phoenix and Pack? Is he going to yeah. go with Kingston and Butcher and the Blade? The drama, the storytelling, it was great. Mm-hmm. Love to see those guys back, and presumably uh, as a face team, not yeah. the heel team. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And we talked about it last night. I think we're ultimately building towards a Pack versus Eddie Kingston singles match. Yeah, here. it appears to be that way, yeah. And I think that's going to be great stuff. Mm-hmm. Number three, Will Hobbs turns heel and joins Team Taz. We just talked about it, but what do you um, have to add here? I don't know. I'm just excited to see where your top two are because that's a loaded <laughs> that's a loaded three through five. Number two. 
who <laughs> is Miro on commentary and ultimately booking it to the ring. What could one be? I really? think ju- I think just his performance oh. on commentary. We didn't talk about wow. it enough. He was funny. Yeah. He was yucking it up with Shivani. It just brought a nice presence to the it did, broadcast. It did, it did, it did, yeah. And then just booking it down to the ring like we discussed. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, that match, you know, like the Orange Cassidy thing's been going on. Like, he's been in probably every Don- he's, AEW he's thing I've seen. He's been featured very heavily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way. And, like, they've found a way to keep it from not getting old, which is good. Absolutely. Number one, again, this is maybe a personal thing, but the cleaner Kenny Omega yes. coming back. If You you know, you saw it. I cut myself off there, saying if That's you recall. Good. But, like... The moment that the glass came down and revealed him and he had the sunglasses and the suit, I lost it. Yeah. Just like, oh, the cleaner, finally! Back. Yeah. So, again, I just, I got really invested into Kenny Omega and that character in 2017 in New yeah. Japan. He's had some of the best matches I've ever seen in my life, and I just can't wait for the shackles to be off good. here in AEW. I like the Dark Horse getting number one. Yeah. Very good, very good. Anything anything for you to add here? No, other than my comment, like, you know, that's, you know, a, a, a unique top five, and I, and, and, I, and I like that. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah, there yeah. was, there was like, narr- like, like, we talked about this yeah. last like night. Like, a lot but- of those could be, like, you know, for me, someone, you know, who uh, doesn't know these characters as well as you do, could be entertained in, like, you know, the, the weight of that top five, it's punching it, way above its absolutely. Oh, yeah. it's that's a heavy, that's a super heavyweight, baby. Is, yeah. So great fun show, and now we're gonna go into what burns your ass. Oh boy, hit it, hit it, hit it! Absolutely burns my ass. So I'll just go real quick on mine. Mine's gonna be a wrestling thing, and I was about to say this last mm. segment, but I think this was honestly one of the weaker parts of the show was. The Inner Circle in Vegas segments. Mm-hmm. I think it just lacked creativity. I think we were so excited about yeah. it coming in and the many different ways that it could go. And we don't need to talk about it much, but it just fell flat, and that really burnt my ass. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Um, so my two things are, are different, even though my, my, that would definitely be on the burns my ass list. It's on the scale. Yeah, it, oh, it definitely. Like, it definitely, it definitely registers. It, it's a seismic activity. It torched you a little it bit. It did, a touch. It ignited your buttocks, It did, so it, to it speak. did, it did. Okay, so this week, um, personal thing, I uh, fell out of bed on Saturday. <laughs> like, I roll out of bed to get a glass of water, and I just fall over, and there's this table right beside it. I hit it on this rib. I'm pretty sure I bruised my rib. And, like, this glass of water shatters, so I could have easily been impaled. Oh, my like, goodness. Viciously impaled. Um, so, which is, like, a hilarious thing. I'm fine. Um, but the funny thing is, uh, this is number two to this in terms of controversy. The Moxley promo. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this. Con- so, I thought, like, he really slathered the good guy on for being the champion a lot. Like, I think, sure. like, you know, sure. it was a bit too much face and I like got a bit too heavy of a dose of like his sort of goodness and self-righteousness. Okay. And, like, uh, that's very fair. And, and you know, uh, I don't know the cleaner as well as you do. You, you seem to like him as an antagonist a lot. For sure. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, like I, you know, as somebody who's watched the show now, what, five or six times, yeah. I'm gearing toward Ken- Kenny Omega. So, so yeah, this is my uh, my dark horse. This is my dark horse. Yeah, my ass pick. I love the promo, but I get it. It was a little bit too much of the good guy, the good guy. But it's gonna be a great fight. It is gonna match, be. It, though, it's it's it? gonna and be a great fight. I think and want Kenny to win as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Moxley's had the belt since February because yeah. I think it just makes the most sense. It's time for him, as he said last week, to reassume yeah. that top spot. Yeah. Well, and I think there needs to be like some villainy. 
you know exactly like yeah we need yeah. we need a like we don't necessarily yeah. need kenny to go yeah. full heel yeah but we need those cleaner yeah. characteristics right. to be coming yeah. out i guess what i mean to say is i want to like like moxley more i got gotcha. you and the promo didn't really sell me there you go so mm. and with moxley he's had the belt so long there's just nothing more for him to do yeah. he's beaten everyone except Kenny, but he's already beaten him in a non-title. So his time has come to an end. He's been a fucking awesome champ. Again, he's main evented, I think, five straight AEW pay-per-views. But his time, you know, he can do great things without the belt. But you're right. He's just everyone's life coach. He is. Widowed guys. So I guess uh, his wife died at some point, maybe? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. You know, yeah. like the whole killed my wife, you know, <laughs> like it is, it, it is so, <laughs> one thing that movies, you know, like that's really admirable to me when they told on is when you have an older male character and a younger female character. And like, there's obviously like the mentor mentee protector relationship there and it doesn't get like sexual. Yeah. You know, like it's so easy just to make that very like, easy and gross and like another great example of this is lost in translation with bill murray and scarlett johansson oh yeah no no what what if this movie just busts into john q and it goes to the hostage hostage. yeah just john q too john q yeah just launches into it All right, Bo. So for our listeners who joined us last week, uh, our episode one was also mirroring Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace. That was one of the Turner big ticket movies Mm -hmm. that came on after Dynamite a few weeks ago. And we got real in-depth in the discussion of the Pepsi Mountain Dew Diet Pepsi and Mm -hmm. Pepsi One cans with all the episode one characters from 99. just a, a fun discussion, and we decided to kind of make this a weekly thing where we're going two by two and comparing the episode one characters to AEW characters. And today we start with the first two Pepsis, yeah. and, and that is Anakin Skywalker and Sebulba. That's great. And, and I do think we ought to mention that our choices are concrete and permanent. Yeah. Like once yes. we make these choices, we can't go back and revise. And I will like th- these. This has been my choice, obviously, since I'm more ingrained in the AEW product. But Bo has certainly seen enough now, and he's going to kind of give you a little the more of the lowdown on the Star Wars character That's side. Funny. All right. So, uh, all right, my my area of expertise, Anakin Skywalker. And this is the Jake Lloyd version. The J- yeah, and we're sticking to the Jake Lloyd version. So, so this is only Star Wars Episode One. Yeah. Nothing thereafter. Nothing thereafter. Okay. Which, like, Anakin Skywalker at that point would be the biggest face, heel, face, turn, like, yeah, period. If you, yeah, if you went through the gamut of the original him three. Darth Vader, yeah, of course. So, Anakin Skywalker, from Maz Esba, Tatooine, of virgin birth and a midichlorian count of over 20,000. Unbelievable. Um, portrayed in this film by Jake Lloyd. But um, I want to see if you know the movie that the um, the holiday movie in particular that he was in before Star Wars that apparently made him the apple of George Lucas's eye. <laughs> I do not. All right, so uh, I'll I'll start dropping actors and see if you know uh, Sinbad. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, fucking jingle all the way. You okay. got it. Yeah. He's in that. He was the son who he was trying oh, to get the turbo in more. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize. Which, yeah. We, which it's we, been a long time yeah. since I've seen so, it. Uh, all right. Exactly. Jake Lloyd, one of four people to play Anakin Skywalker. Him, Hayden Christensen, James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, 
And then last, Sebastian Shaw was the guy. Whenever in Return of the Jedi, they take Darth Vader's yeah. mask off, and he looks like Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Great, great research from you yeah, here, yeah, Bo. Yeah. So our Anakin Skywalker of AEW is Dobby Allen. I like. I, I make so yeah. the reason I picked this, it has to be somewhat of a focal character here. Uh, yeah. Has to be someone who's at least trending towards the good guy but side. But not there, not all the way there, yeah. And you mentioned the midichlorian count of Anakin, the mystique around Anakin. There's mm -hmm. the mystique around Darby Allen. The chosen one. Darby yeah. Allen's little. Yeah. You know, he just won the TNT title. Yeah. He's on the come up. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very tough, it was a tough one to pick mm -hmm. because like, you know, you could go with a Kenny Omega, a Hangman. It had to be a bigger character, yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I may not have said Dobby three, four weeks ago, but I feel like he's now the TNT yeah. champ. Um, but, yeah, that's my pick. What, glad, what do you think? I'm glad. Like, I think the stupidest version of this answer would have been Cody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, just like that. That's like... That would have been... E and I did think, like, that would have been easy. Uh, like, I knew Cody would have been, like... A candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's positioned to be this. But no. For sure. But, like, Anakin, you know, like, doesn't come in until, what, like, 45 minutes into the movie? Yeah. You know, so it's, like, a main character, but not the character. Exactly. I'm glad you agree. Yeah, I've, I felt pretty good yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's great. All right. Our Let's number go to Sabalba. All right. Sabalba is a Doug. That's what is racist. He's a that, Doug. That, that sounds offensive, doesn't yeah, it? It does. It does. Yeah, it does. He's a Doug. He's, they, a, he's a funny. He's a funny. Yeah. He, he. <laughs> and so Dougs, you know, walk, use their hands, you know, for grabbing and for walking. Yeah. You know. Um, so champion pod racer who lost to Anakin Skywalker in the Bunta Eve Classic, <laughs> after which he continued to race where he formed a rivalry with the um, open quote, close quote, previously luckless Ben Quadraneros. Um, and Quadraneros. Then, he's yeah. going to be a diet mountain. Oh, he's, he's a diet mountain entirely. So. <laughs> Then the expected life spiraling downhill. Um, so during the as the Clone Wars raged on, um, pod racing became less of a thing, and um, he, you know he he lost his way of life. And by the time of the Galactic Empire, he was battle racing. But um, his last noted thing was he was involved in the you know decisive battle of Endor. So he so he so he stayed key throughout. And what what episodes are those? Uh well it, it it's in like a comic book or something. Oh okay. okay. Yeah yeah it, it, it like all this like wikipedia stuff is like gleaned from like all the Star Wars So comic he didn't books. die in that pod race. No, I no. mean obviously exploded or oh, whatever. Oh no no. Okay, well, no. that makes me feel a little better about my pick good, good, knowing good. that Sebulba yeah. at least remained somewhat of a figure yeah, throughout. Yeah yeah. Oh he survived and he um, fought for the Rebel Alliance in the Battle of Endor, coerced by Lando Calrissian, but has no history after that into the sequel trilogy. Wow. All right. So, who you got? Ricky Stocks Ooh. is my Sebulba. All right. So That's I really good. I feel like Sebulba, when you first see him, he's cocky. Mm -hmm. He's cool. He thinks he's going to win. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no, no issue. And that's mm -hmm. the kind of the air that Ricky Stocks gives yeah. off. And... Dobby and Ricky Stocks, I'm just talking like Taz, they've had a rivalry. They've had uh, a rivalry going on for a long time. They were yeah. just in the main event of Dynamite. There was a pod racing rivalry between yeah. Darby and Ricky. Um, he's dripping with charisma. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it both on air and yeah. off air. We love Ricky Starks. And I think Sebulba 
at least in his moments in episode one, he's cool. He's oh, yeah. confident. Does, he's cocky. I'm, I'll admit I'm happy you like my picks because it, it was tough. Both, yeah. it, it was, I, honestly, I've been thinking about this for a week, okay. and I really didn't determine it until like right. earlier today. Well, I think next week it may not get. Yeah, um, who do we got next right, week? Let, 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 so are we going to stick with Pepsi? Yeah, like, yeah. We, let's, we'll let's run go through the order. all of Pepsi. And, and right. so, like we said, now that I have chosen both Darby Allen and Ricky Starks, they could not be used again. Mm-hmm. And I actually did intend to kind of look at all of them and think about it, but I'm glad I didn't. I want to be kind of doing these more off the cuff. But yeah, who do we got here? Who's number three uh, and four? Hang on, let's. Uh, we have Qui Gon Jinn. Oh, as yeah. number three and number four, Watto. Watto, who was uh, also involved with Sabalba. Yeah. So, hmm. hmm, yeah, gives us something to ponder. Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we hope your brains have been busted. Uh, We'll see what happens next week on Thanksgiving Eve, but we're really building towards that December 2nd winter is coming Mm -hmm. match between Kenny Omega and Jon Moxley. And until then, follow us on Twitter at BrainBusterBoys. Engage with us. Thank you again for listening. This is very fun and exciting, and I'm really having a blast, and I hope you are too. Me too. Me too. So until then, take it easy, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, man. Good shit. Yeah, you know, we've got a routine. Last week we got it. Yeah. Now it's just, we're just going to be ripping.